Yeah, we're continuing with uh, uh, the uh, Canto number, Canto 11, Chapter 21, Explanation of the Vedic Path. And uh, we're up to text number 16, I think. Yes. Uh, just to give you a reminder of where we've been and where we're going. Uh, uh, we we have uh, been discussing uh, from 7 through 15 in this chapter about the purity and impurity of objects, how to purify them, what makes a place and time and objects pure, impure, and how to how to purify them, and how to purify the self, and how to purify mantras and karma. Uh, and that brings us up to text number uh, 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 16 and 17. Uh, well, 16, 17, 18 are all together. And it's a discussion of relativity, uh, issues of relativity in consideration uh, of piety, uh, of piety and sin. And uh, what we have here uh, yeah, these three, these three, these three uh, texts go together. So, if we start, we'll start with six sixteen. Then, after that, from nineteen to twenty-two, is a discussion of the faults of the path of sense enjoyment, which is good to read and good to <laughs> understand that. Uh, and so I don't know how far we'll get uh, when we get to that far. So. We'll 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 now uh, we'll now start with uh, here today with sixteen. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. So sixteen reads. Let me just turn this out of the way. Sixteen reads. Uh, Kvachit guna gunopi, kvachit gunopi dosha shad, dosha pi vitina gunaha, pun dosharta niyamas, tad vidam eva bhadhate. So he's saying here, kvachit, uh, uh, the word kvachit means sometimes, uh, 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 sometimes piety becomes sin. The words are guna and dosha, right? Remember, there's piety, guna quality, but here means a good quality or piety. So guna and dosha means a, a fault. So s- sometimes uh, uh, piety, uh, even piety, guna api, api here is even, piety even becomes sin. And... Uh, Dosha pi vidina guna, and also uh, uh, the opposite. The sin becomes piety, and then it says vidina on the strength of Vedic injunction. Now, Vedic injunctions have made these conditions under which something that's sinful can become pious, and under some conditions, what's pious can become sinful. Uh, And then it says here, Guna dosharta niyamas, 
such special rules, in effect, eradicate the clear distinction between piety and sin. The vidam, the vidam, the distinction uh, is undone because of the regulations uh, about guna and dosha, guna dosha artha. Uh, the niyama, the restrictive regulations regarding guna and dosha, blurs this distinction or bodhite, undoes the distinction. Uh, uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur comments on this. He says, the division of good and bad is not always fixed. During calamity, now he gives some examples, during calamity, hoarding is a good quality. But during normal times, it is a bad quality since it is forbidden. Though giving up one's family is a fault, by following the rules of detachment, it is a good quality. Therefore, the very rules for these two objects, good and bad, destroy the distinction of good and bad. The rule which says it is wrong to give up one's family also negates the fault for a particular qualified person, said it is a good quality for the jnani to give up his family. The rule says that it is good to give up one's family the rule that says it is good to give up one's family also negates that good quality for the karmi. Since it is wrong for the karmi, the fruitive worker here, to give up his family. Thus, good and bad are not fixed universally, but are determined according to particular circumstances. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, Okay. Here, here the, the BBT uh, says, gives different examples. The Lord clearly explains here that material piety and sins are always relative considerations. That uh, sometimes <laughs> consideration, I think, always is a little, little extreme, but anyway. For example, if a neighbor's house is on fire and one chops a hole in the roof so that the trapped family may escape, one is considered to be a pious hero because of the dangerous condition. In normal conditions, however, if one chops a hole in his neighbor's roof or breaks a neighbor's window, he's considered a criminal. Uh, and then it gives the same example about abandoning one's family. Uh, then they give this interesting uh, point According to Srila Madhvacharya, persons above the age of 14 are considered capable of distinguishing between good and bad. Notice you get a pass until you're 14. <laughs> what they try to teach you? And are thus responsible for their pious and sinful activities. Up until then, you know. Animals, on the other hand, being merged into ignorance, and ignorance cannot be blamed for their offenses or praised for their so-called good qualities, which all arise ultimately for ignorance. So no good dog, bad dog doesn't really count. Uh, uh, and then they, they say that... Uh, even if you're human and act like an animal, you think, 
I should, we should not have any sense of guilt. It's an imposition. Then you become like an animal. They mentioned that. And others, people who observe this relative quality of piety and say that, sense, oh, there's no rules. Uh, so just to negate any rules altogether or, or to relativize it is, is, is wrong. Uh, uh, so I, now I want to uh, uh, take a little time to, to get, listen to Prabhupada about this. Because uh, Prabhupada gave a lecture in London in uh, 1973, August 29th of 73, a Bhagavad Gita lecture on 2.26 and 27, where he discusses this relativity of piety and sin in connection with Krishna consciousness. And it's a very, very interesting uh, talk. Uh, Uh, so he, he says, so without being standardized by Krishna consciousness or God consciousness, you cannot find the standard platform of morality or honesty. Therefore, the verdict, verdict of the Bhagavad Gita is harav avakasya kuto mahadguna. Uh, this, uh, if one is a, a bhakta, not a devotee, then what, what use or what are his good qualities? He may have good qualities, but what use are there? Uh, uh, if, if your intrepid spirit and you're sticking to the point is... Uh, I've just been reading a, 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 a history of the development of the atomic bomb, for example. All great qualities. These brilliant scientists working hard. What's the result? And you get an up-close scene of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. <laughs> there are very good qualities in these scientists. Uh, and even Oppenheimer was quoting the Bhagavad Gita there at Los Alamos. Anyway, so he says, so Prabhupada says, if you do not follow a standard law, how can you fix up this is morality, this is honesty or dishonesty? There must be a standard law. And who can give the law unless he is the greatest authority? Uh, so a man-made law really won't work. and There will be disagreement. Uh, 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 for driving, what's right? Well, some countries is keep to the left and some countries is keep to the right. Whatever the law says, that's the right thing. Uh, uh, so he's saying that, that if you wanted to establish right and wrong, you have to go to the authority. Uh, and he said, but there is... The examples, when there's a war, to kill the enemies, that's morality. But in peaceful conditions, if you kill a person, that's immorality or sinful. The same, the process is the same, killing, but sometimes it's moral and sometimes it's immoral. So how do you know when it's moral and when it's immoral? Because there's a government that says, this, you're a hero, and this, you go to prison. But there's an authority. Uh, so he says real dharma uh, they can say it has to be go, you have to go to Krishna when Krishna says this is alright then it's right when Krishna says it's not right then it's not right we Krishna conscious men we simply accept and that is a fact 
It is a fact because in this way, Krishna is the greatest authority. That's what supreme means. And then again, he goes in the example of now you get a medal and now you, now you go to jail. Uh, so he says, standard of morality means to abide by the orders of the greatest authority. You cannot make your own morality. If Krishna says this is right, then it's right. Uh, uh, so then he says the karmavada, the people of the karmakanda, they think if you follow morality, you get good results. But if you're disobedient to God, at the beginning of life, you're, you're uh, uh, immoral. And then he gives an example. There's a group of thieves that got around stealing. And they've got a big bag of all their loot. And they sit down. Now this divided fairly. They want to be moral now. Everyone gets his fair share. They're all thieves. <laughs> but they're thinking, this is morality. He says, well, if, they're, if they're dividing stolen property, where's the morality? And then he points out that everything belongs to God. So what is all this other, you know, law and morality on, on the Supreme platform? So the whole planet's God's property. So you're, we're claiming it's my property. Where's the morality? So you can say, yeah, this is good, this is bad, but if, anyway. But our morality is, he says, if Krishna is, if Krishna is satisfied, then it's honesty, morality, everything. And then he gives an example. He gives the example of Prahlad Maharaj. So here's a boy who's standing in the presence of the killer of his father. He has just watched his father be brutally slaughtered. Right? And he's standing there and he gives a garland to the killer of his father. Is that moral? Is that the way to, to respect your father? Right? Uh, uh, but no, we say, uh, he probably says, as soon as my father is killed, I shall offer this garland to Nishringit. Is that morality from the material point of view? But from our point of view, he's a Mahajana. Uh, and then he gives the other example of the gopis, young girls, wives of somebody, sister of somebody, daughters of somebody, but when Krishna plays his flute at the dead of night, they give up all of it and come running. Where is Krishna? So from a Vedic standard, he says, this is immoral. They are going to another young boy and leaving the family. Uh, even some of the gopis left their crying children. Uh, from a material point of view, this is uh, uh, morality, but uh, immorality. But when it comes to Krishna... So then he gives the example, the famous example, is when Krishna advised Yudhisthira, uh, uh, he, 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 Dronacharya could not be killed until, uh, I forgot the conditions, this was so, but Dronacharya could not be killed unless he thought his son had been killed first. And so they wanted to tell Dronacharya that your son was dead. But he wouldn't believe it. But Yudhishthira had such a reputation for morality that if Yudhishthira told it, 
you will believe him because Yudhisthira never told a lie. So Krishna told Yudhisthira, go to Jonacharya and tell him your son is dead. So Krishna asked him, you go, otherwise you won't believe him. And so Yudhisthira hesitated to obey Krishna. He says, how can I say a lie? And Prabhupada said, for this he had to see hell. He did it later. And, and they say after the, his, his chariot always used to float with the wheels up. After this it was on the ground. Cause he had, now they gave him an out because there was an elephant named Ashwatthama. <laughs> and with Ashwatthama the elephant was killed. So just go say Ashwatthama is dead. And technically you're not lying. <laughs> they gave him that out. But he hesitated to follow, to, to obey Krishna. And so his morality became immoral. So Prabhupada, this is an interesting lecture that Prabhupada gave about the, these standards of moral and immorality. So then he, he concludes, so, uh, so, uh, so our standard of morality and immorality is to see whether Krishna is satisfied. If Krishna is satisfied, uh, then, then that's morality uh, and then he mentions also Krishna's representative. Our morality is to satisfy Krishna or his representative. Yasya prasadat bhagavat prasado yasya prasadat nagatibitopi. That one has to, if you get the mercy of the spiritual master, if Krishna, the spiritual master is satisfied, Krishna is satisfied. Uh, so he uh, extends it there. Uh, anyway, Prabhupada goes on for a while, but you uh, uh, get the point. And then he also, no, he also points out that if you're a devotee, you may, you may, in the course of your devotional service, do something bad. But if actually you're a sincere devotee, you repent of what you've done and try, uh, try to do better, then you're a sadhu. Even if one is found sudurachara, not very strictly following moral principles, but he's an unflinching devotee of Krishna. It doesn't mean you should take this as an excuse to do something bad, but if should you do something bad uh, and remain a devotee of Krishna, but regret what you have done and resolve to do better, uh, then you're a sadhu, even in spite of this. Therefore, the point is that we should not accept this karma-vada, bauda-vada, Buddhist teachings, maya-vada. There are so many vadas. We shall simply take Krishna-vada. <laughs> simply, simply accept Krishna, whatever he orders, whatever he likes, for his satisfaction, we shall do anything and everything. That is all morality. That's how he ends this lecture. Anyway, it's worth reading the whole thing. I've excerpted the most important points. So here's another example of this consideration of what's good sometimes is bad and what's bad is sometimes good, uh, is particularly in relationship to, uh, to Krishna consciousness. Uh, uh, here, I need a second. And now... Uh, Text 17. 
I remember when I heard that those days we didn't have transcripts of lectures. We just got the tape and I listened to that one about three times. Then I gave a class on, wow, where did you hear that? <laughs> uh, so Tech 17 now. Um, uh, uh, Samana karma acharanam, excuse me, Samana karma acharanam, patitanam cha patikam, otpatiko guna sango, narshanaya patatiyadaha. The same activity that would degrade an, eleva- an, ele- an elevated person does not cause fall down for those who are already fallen. Indeed, one who is lying on the ground cannot possibly fall any further. (laughs) The material association that is dictated by one's own nature is considered a good quality. Uh, So so here it is said... uh, uh, Yeah, of one who has fallen, the performance of activities that are the same as his own fallen nature are not a cause of fall down, right? Uh, And uh, so if this is one's natural activity, it may degrade somebody who's more elevated, but it doesn't degrade you, because you're already degraded. and uh, uh, anyway, I will read Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's purport on this. I think which the BBT just follows. Uh, yeah, so here's some examples. The irregularity of rules is described, he says. The activity such as drinking wine, for a person who has not fallen is a cause of fall down. But the same activity for the fallen person does not cause him to fall, since he has already fallen. Association with women is a fault for the sannyasi, but association with his wife during her fertile period is a good thing for the householder, since that is natural, which is dharma. And if he's a householder, that's what he should do. It is a fault for a person qualified for household life not to associate with his wife. And an example is given for both these conditions. A person who is lying down cannot fall down. And the BBT just gives the same purport, leverage on a little more. Uh, uh, and they, they use the word here uh, uh, th- that that condition which arises from from one's uh, own uh, nature. Uh, they use this word autpatika, uh, which means inborn, natural, uh, uh, inherent. Uh, uh, of of course. Uh, when 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 one has become a devotee and has accepted that path, 
my own nature may be, say, full of the modes of passion and ignorance, my inherent nature, but we're trying to change that. And so so we, are, we, we, are, we have taken the vows of a progressive path. So I just can't say it's my nature uh, to do this. Uh, so because sometimes in India that's a powerful thing, you know, it's my nature, this is what I do. Uh, and you, you do things according to your nature. But 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 uh, but if you get the opportunity to go against that nature uh, by the mercy of Krishna consciousness, and you, you you're on that path, uh, then uh, then you should you should uh, 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 that that's now that's now now become what you made a commitment to. Everyone takes a vow. Sradhayam Asia Purusha Krishna says that every the human being is made of faith. Uh, every 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 human being is constituted by faith. It's natural. Everyone has a faith. Uh, belief that you know this is good to do. This good. We got to see our way through life, and everybody's on a path, right? And so there's. Consciously or unconsciously, there's a commitment. They think happiness will come from this. Everybody wants to pursue happiness and avoid unhappiness. They think this is what it will be. You know, they have a faith, uh, and, and they're on that, uh, on that faith. And of course, usually it's according to one's nature: goodness, passion, or ignorance. Krishna uses this in the 17th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita to to, to point this out. Uh, uh, but if one is on the path of transcendence, then then uh, we go to another nature, that is our spiritual nature, which is beyond the modes and are trying to revive it. So then, uh, this is discussed in the next verse, text number 18. Right? Just in case we're going to end in, 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 in there. Yato yato nivarteta vimucheta tatastaha esha dharmo nunam chema shoka moha baya paha. This is a very good verse. I like this verse. Yata, you notice here you have this. You may run across this yata, 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 yata. Here it's yato, yato. It's yataha, yataha. And then tataha, tataha. Uh, uh, so, so much as this, then so much that. So, to the degree that one desists, nivarteta, the, the one that one refrains or, or ceases from uh, something, to that same extent, Vimucheta, he becomes freed from it, liberated. Yato yato nivartate vimucheta tatastata. So long as to the degree that you refrain from something, to that same degree you become freed from it. Now there's that awkward period where you're refraining, but the mind still is attached. If you don't give in to the mind and, and or you keep it harnessed, from the objects of the senses, uh, then 
uh, you will gradually retrain the mind. And then refraining will become second nature. Uh, if one has ever had the experience of being, for example, a cigarette smoker, as I did at one time. Yeah. And by the way, I could not quit smoking cigarettes until I was chanting 16 rounds a day. I mean, this is before I was initiated and all those things like that, and I wasn't living in a temple, but, uh, but I, I, you know, I had a, a cigarette habit. And it's a, it's a terrible addiction, and it doesn't even taste good. But anyway... It was really once I started chanting 16 rounds a day that I could finally give it up. And then there was a time, you know, where your mouth and your habits you always had, you know, there's always little rituals and lighter that there is. Yeah. You know, your habits were there, and you had to refrain from that. But actually, I mean, once I was chanting 16 rounds a day, at least I gave my, my, my mouth something else to do. And I was also only eating Krishna Prasadam we had offered all our food and everything. Then, you know, a little while later, I would walk into a room where, where cigarettes were being smoked. I couldn't imagine how could I be doing this, you know. It just became like, you know, this fog of, of, of air pollution. It was just awful, you know. And, and uh, then there was no, I wasn't tempted at all. Uh, so you have to go through that. Uh, so anyway, yato yato nivarteta vimuchete tatastataha. Asha dharma, this dharma, this dharma, this dharma uh, for a human being is shemaha. It is the path of auspiciousness. The word shema means security the secure possession of what you have. It also means ultimate liberation. Krishna says, yoga, shema, maham, yaham. I take care of their, their yoga uh, and their shema, the, of getting the things that they need and the secure possession of their spiritual advancement. Uh, uh, so for a human being, this is the dharma shema. This is the dharma shema. Uh, uh, this uh, giving things up, uh, 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 and uh, what does this do? Shoka moha vayapaha. It it uh, it uh, apaha. The last word apaha. It takes away suffering, delusion, and fear. So those are three things to be avoided, right? <laughs> Shoka, moha. And bhaya. Uh, so this removes shoka, moha, and bhaya. Um, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur comments the purport of all rules concerning good and bad is detachment by restricting the tendency to enjoy. So here is the kind of culmination about relativity that says here's the real rule. This is the path of auspiciousness. And, uh, and we should contrast this path with the standard of materialistic civilization for the path of auspiciousness, which is not giving things up. Uh, it's rather becoming increasing your attachment as much as you can. 
And that increases. And it's the fact of auspiciousness, the Dharma Shema, uh, takes away shoka, moha, and baya. The, path, the opposite path increases them. It's the path of misery. Suffering, the more attached you become, your suffering increases, your delusion increases, you're bewildered about what's going on, about what you need, and your fear increases because you're attached to the ultimate. This renunciation at the, at, at, at the time of death, renunciation takes place whether you like it or not. It's built in to the system. But that renunciation can be joyful through, through which you, you attain spiritual growth or it can just be miserable. Choose. But you're going to have to renounce whether you like it or not. Because every, if, if you say, oh, everyone is a devotee of Krishna and therefore everyone has to surrender to Krishna, you can look at all these materialists strutting around. When do they ever surrender to Krishna? They do so at the time of death. Prabhupada points out they give up everything and they pay their dundabots. They fall down flat. That's our constitutional position where you have to acknowledge Krishna is the supreme controller. And what happens to these great powerful people, the big politicians, the big leaders, they all have to pay that license even though they've avoided it their whole lives and killed so many people in the, in the purpose in, in, and living beings in the, in the effort to not avoid it. Uh-huh. So now uh, we come to... Much more time do we have? A few more. Okay, we can... So, so the next section now is the opposite of Dharma Shema. Here we've discussed the path of auspiciousness, Dharma Shema, and now 19 through 22, we get the faults of the path of sense enjoyment. And here, so this last verse was kind of a a natural transition. Having talked about what you get from the path of auspiciousness, now we will see what happens to the path of inauspiciousness and how to understand the modern world, or actually the world at any time, but especially the modern world. So we begin with this, 19. Oh, by the way, in the, in the previous verse, there there is a, a, a nice purport in the, uh, in the, in the BBT uh, uh, commentary, um, and at, at the end they summarize by 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 thorough piety, one's life becomes auspicious and freed from lamentation, illusion, and fear, and one can then take to the path of Krishna consciousness. So sometimes it's a preliminary. It makes you more able to take up the path. But sometimes you start from zero and you know, get attracted to Krishna consciousness for some reason, some previous thing in your last life, or just the mercy of devotees, and you uh, uh, take it up uh, then. 
So here, text 19. Visha Yeshu Ganadya Sat Kumsam Sangas Tato Bhavet Sangat Patra Bhavet Kama Kamad Eva Kalir Ninam So this is the opposite. One who accepts material sense objects as desirable certainly becomes attached to them. From such attachment, lust arises and this lust creates quarrels among men. So the word is uh, vishaya. Vishaya. Uh, vishaya means a sense object. Uh, te- technically, uh, 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 forms, uh, odors, there's five of them. Uh, the, the five objects of the knowledge acquiring senses sounds, uh, sights, um, uh, objects of the sense of touch, smooth, rough, uh, uh, smell, odors, and taste. That's not in the right order, but that, that's those things, the tongue. Uh, anyway, those are the, the sense objects. Uh, and then they use this, this interesting word, vishayeshu. In vishayeshu, it's in the plural, sense object of visions, guna adyasat, because of of wrongly thinking of them as good, guna. Here, guna is a good quality. The thinking of the object of the senses as inherently good, because you would, you're thirsty and you want, oh, water's great. You know what I mean? You need some sense gratification just to stay alive. And so even when you're a little child, you know, you, you like sweet things and you, you know, so forth. You know. It's there. Uh, for, 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 for that person who, who is this way, who thinks of them as good, uh, uh, from that, tataha, uh, there, there comes sanghas, association or attachment. Sadhu Sangha, attachment to devotees. Asat Sangha, uh, attachment to temporary things, non-devotees. Asat Sangha, Tyaga. Lord Chaitanya says, how you know a Vaishnava? He says, Asat Sangha, Tyaga. They give up the association of people who are not pure, impure people. So you, you accept the material sense objects as desirable, and then you become attached to them. You you miss you 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 not just desirable, but you you presume them to be the sources of happiness. You taste something, and you think it is good. You feel pleasure. Oh, that's the path. Just increase the tasting, the hearing, the touching, the smelling. I get this pleasure. Let me maximize it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, and then it says, Sangat Tatra Bhavet Kama. From that Sangha, that association with the sense objects, there will arise Kama, desire. Let me get it more of it. Let me accumulate it. Let me hold on to it. And then from this Kama, then there is quarrel among human beings. No, I want it. It's mine. I saw it first. Give me that. It's fine. You start fighting over the objects of the senses. 
So then there's anger and quarrel. But the, the beginning of it is this, this mis, misunderstanding. Krishna says this in the Bhagavad Gita, Yehi samsparashaja bhoga dukta yonaya evate. This says that the world is just the opposite of what we think it is. Yehi samsparashaja bhoga. Those bhoga, enjoyments, pleasures, that are samsparashaja, born from the contact of the senses and the objects. Sparsha means touch, but here it is the contact of any of the senses of their objects, not just the sense of touch. Yehi samsparasya bhoga. Dukkha yonaya evate. They are, in fact, the source of all suffering. Those pleasures which arise. So we think, oh, we, we bring our senses in contact with the object. We think, wow, here it is. This is it. Now we just got to multiply them. That's happiness. And Krishna says, actually, it's the source of all suffering. And he goes to say, those pleasures have a adi ananta, beginning and end, and those who are wise take no delight in them. What, what's, I don't remember the verse number for that. Um, uh, so here, the, here it says, if social breakdown quarrels among human beings, competitive sense gratification, Prabhupada often refers to material life as competitive sense gratification. He points out that actually Krishna has given, has provided for every human being on the planet sufficient for their needs. But because other people take more than what they need, others do without. And so there are many people who are deprived and don't even have the necessities life because somebody else, some gluttonous people, are gobbling it up. And you just look at the energy consumption of the different, there's graphs all over the place to show you. It's getting more, right now in a period where it's inequality is increasing, uh, where, where, where uh, one statistic I just read that, that Half of the wealth of America is owned by 400 people, for example. And they're having a hard time finding a way to spend all their money. Uh, because they have it and they have to enjoy it. So anyway, so this is the start. We'll have to stop here now. I guess we're, we're running out of time. Uh, so this is the start of this section. Uh, and we'll pick up with... Uh, uh, next week with text number uh, 20. I'm just marking my place here in my notes. Okay. Let's, uh, now we will have some time a Q&A session, which is started on the phone. And on the phone, you can uh, you can uh, unmute yourself and uh, by pressing star six if you have a question or comment. And the people who are on Ustream can text in a question or comment. And we will share it among the media. Okay.
I have to put this on speakerphone. Yeah, let me do that. Okay, I'll turn it up and sure the volume's up all the way. Yep, it's on speakerphone. Now we're all set. Anything? Oh, this cloud. I gotta take some of this stuff here and medicate it. No? Oh, here we go. Uh, Prima Avatar writes, um, the Vedas at times seem to contradict, the Vedas at times seem to contradict itself on, on some issues. How do we understand the moral baseline in those situations? There's contradiction in the Vedas. Yeah, well, I, yeah, there is contradiction in the Vedas sometimes, and I think this has explained it, a lot of it. You know, because th th this, this this chapter is dedicated to uh, to the amount of relativity. Uh, the Vedas contradict themselves a lot, uh, and that's because there's because because the relativity enters. Krishna is absolute, but when he enters into relationships with other people, there's a relationship, and so there's the, that's the meaning of relativity being related. Uh, the word absolute means being one without a second, literally. There's no relationship. So as soon as there's a relationship, there's an element of relativity. Not just in moral terms, but Krishna acts differently with different devotees. They're, 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 they're the same Lord is known uh, by, by some devotees in his majestic form. And when you encounter Krishna's majestic form, they're awesome and overwhelming. And you can really get into that. And that's how you know God. Uh, the devotees, uh, the, 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 like you go, go up to Venkateshwar Temple and you see Sri Venkateshwar, you get an idea that the sense of awe and reverence is overwhelming and it's quite wonderful. Uh, but if you're also, but if you're relating to Krishna in Vrindavan, uh, where his, his sweetness overcomes his majesty and subordinates it so that the majesty is kind of disguised, uh, this is the beginning of the, the Chintamani prayers. Chintamani prakara sadmasu kalpa viksha lakshavritesu. So the buildings, the little, little huts, you know, made of stone, but every rock. It is Chintamani, and you're in the forest, but every tree is a kalpa riksha, and there's, there's, there's cows, herds of cows, just like a farm, but every cow is a surabi, and there, there's all, all these barefoot village girls, and every one is a goddess of fortune. So the, the, the opulence is below the surface. It's, it's subordinated to something else. That's another relativity. So there are relationships. And then also there's relativity that people are on different levels of the spiritual path. The idea is to get those who are immoral to at least be moral. And then the rewards and punishments are handed out to them in the karma Kanda section of the Vedas. You do this, you'll get a reward. 
you do that, you'll be punished. They can't really understand anything else, so at least they become moral. They get a history of morality. They become a little more eligible for advancement. And so you have that karma kanda section of the Vedas, the jnana kanda section of the Vedas. And the jnana kanda, the, 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 you know, the, the process of spiritual advancement to become, uh, to realize yourself as a spiritual entity, very different rules, that, and that's very much better than the rules for those people who are on the, 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 the platform of uh, regulated sense enjoyment. They're giving up all sense enjoyment whatsoever. But also what's a virtue there can become a fault on the level of bhakti. Then again, you've renounced relationships, and now relationships come back. You've renounced relativity, and now you have the transcendental relativity. Uh, so there's, there's all these kinds of concerns. Uh, and so this is the, the, the general rule is you look at people's nature, you look at what path they're on, you, uh, you understand that the real thing, is to, for, as been explained in this chapter, is the, the path of advancement. And some people are not ready for that path. They should just be encouraged to do what they do. Yeah, go ahead and enjoy, but give some to Krishna, you know. But if somebody thinks they're very advanced in Krishna consciousness and they want to enjoy and set a little aside for Krishna, uh, then they're not, they're, they're going to go downhill. It's not that we want to have a nice feast and, oh, before we, we eat that feast, let me just offer a little to Krishna officially. Let's well, make a feast for Krishna and we take the remnants afterwards. There's a difference in attitude. But for some people at first, okay, yeah, go ahead, do that. You can, do, you can make something and offer something to Krishna, but really, if you're advanced, everything is for Krishna. And what's for me? Krishna, that's not my problem. That's Krishna. You'll take care of me, whatever I need, I'm sure. That's a more advanced. So we, we don't discourage people. Make them do something they can't do right away. But when, when uh, uh, Sharma Sundar uh, has already an initiated devotee, uh, uh, early devotee, the one who carved the first Jagannath duties, Prabhupada discovered that he was still smoking cigarettes. He left a pack of cigarettes on top of him. Jagannath while he was carving it. And Prabhupada didn't mention later, he just saw the deities and then said, well, later said that, by the way, you shouldn't be smoking cigarettes. It's against the regular principles. Is it? Yeah. No intoxication. But it's our intoxication. They don't get you high. They just didn't know. They just had no idea. So, 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 so then, then Prabhupada had him. He asked him, how many cigarettes in a pack? And he said, 20. How much you smoke? A pack a day. So therefore, you know, uh, give it up like this. Every, take a pack and, and every day smoke one less cigarette. 20 and then 19, 18. And so after 20 days, he stopped smoking. But he didn't say do it right away. He just decreased like that. So some of the Vedas is like that. So you can say, oh, Prabhupada is encouraging him to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> you could say like that. <clears throat> And if he says, how many cigarettes are you smoking? Oh, uh, three. Good. Top button would say. He even mentioned when Krishna says, I am the taste in water. 
And we should tell people who are drunkards, when you, when you, when you, t- you taste that alcohol and you relish it, think, thank you, Krishna. That you should appreciate that Krishna is that taste. Dinesh asks, how should we approach our guru and representatives of our guru to constantly monitor us and guide us to free ourselves? Because strong strong instructions is crushing our false ego and is painful. Should the dosage be very gradual? Because unless we completely open up our narratives to the devotees, they are going to be left unidentified and burned with it. Well, that's where you need somebody you can trust and somebody who's more advanced than you are. Uh, and, and, you know, one should, one should have a firm desire to become free of them. And one should always assume that, you know, you know sometimes uh, we, we have desires that we can't even acknowledge. We're not even aware of them. Uh, and they may be controlling us. So that some people sometimes find themselves in this very awkward position of having desires or feelings they can neither acknowledge or control, and therefore they literally don't know what they're doing because they're they're doing things that they're not even conscious of because they think of themselves as something else and then what's what's actually there. That's in the mind. I mean, people are devotees, but but sometimes the mind is not, and it controls them. And they don't even know it. And they don't know what they, we don't know what we're doing. And, and we should always be afraid of being in that situation. So one, one needs to be able to, to share one's mind in confidence. Uh, and it has to be somebody who knows what they're doing. You may go to somebody and tell them, this happened to me once when I went to somebody early on. I had no normal kind of struggle for a, uh, the, the, uh, new devotee with uh, with some of the principles of Krishna consciousness, and the guy just told me, "Oh, you're not a devotee." And I later, years later, I, I you know found out that he had a worse problem than I did with the same thing. But he was talking about his own fears about himself rather than me. So you need somebody that's mature. And in the early days of our movement, you know, an old devotee was somebody who'd been a devotee for three years, so you're a little better off. In this, <laughs> at this point, then Prabhupada was the, not you know the only advanced devotee, and in fact the only grown up. So so we were really really uh, uh, not not uh, not as much resources were so easily available. I mean the resources were there at that time, but you had to know to take advantage of them. So you need that guidance uh, and to know what to do and not what to do and how to deal with it. You need somebody who's been through it and, and who, 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 can, who can, just like a doctor, you know, the same medicine uh, is good, good for one patient but maybe too much for another patient. You're not strong enough to take this medicine, take this medicine, and so on. And so, so again, it's this relatively relativity that enters into the appropriate application. But the basic principle is you should... Do what you need to do to advance. Now, you don't can't. You may not go. Most of us can't go all the way to Krishna Prema, but we can take the next step. The main thing is we should be trying to advance. We should be sincerely trying to get better. 
And only all that that should be only basis for judgment. If someone is sincerely trying to get better, that person is good. And if they keep on trying, it doesn't matter wherever else they are on the path of advancement. Because if somebody may be fairly, fairly well advanced, but then somehow or other runs into an obstacle and stops trying to get better, then they'll come back down. So one, one should be have this determination. And if one's serious, I think that Krishna will also arrange what you need. It will be provided. But when, but when Krishna's arrangement is there, take advantage of it. Sometimes you can decide. I'm not going to. Hey, Ramananda has a question by the phone. Go ahead, it's on speaker. Ramananda? Ravinda Shurpavu. Can you hear me? I can. I appreciate Okay. I, 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 it's very similar to what you're speaking about now, but I was, uh, my question was for you to speak something bet- uh, about the difference between refraining from something and repression. Yeah. Uh, um when Krishna says, what will repression accomplish, uh, that means that, that, that you, should, you should practice restraint on the right platform. There are authorized platforms. Well, uh, when Krishna uses that, he's talking about one's nature according to the modes, the kind of work that you do. So uh, according to, to what, what work you should do, you should do that but then you should do it in the service of Krishna. But try, trying to change, like Arjuna is a kshatriya, he, there's certain things he'll actually not be able to do. He won't be able to walk away from a battle, even though he wants to. Uh, so you should act that way according to your own nature. Uh, uh, to re, uh, refrain from the senses uh, to me, the idea, the the the, the word thing, uh, the wrong thing about repression, uh, is is a kind of a, a legacy uh, of of Freudian psychology, which the idea, uh, at least people my generation, you're sort of uh, brainwashed in the idea that not fulfilling your desires is unhealthy, that you have uh, so much, like say, sexual desire in your body, and it needs an outlet, and it's unhealthy not to, to do that because, because you get frustrated and you become angry and you take it out in other forms and things like that. And the idea that, that you're kind of like a boiler and this natural desire is there and, you know, Freud was saying if you don't, act, you don't satisfy the desires, you're always going to be unhappy. And, and the, 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 the civilization is always going to be some amount of discontent because to have a civilization, you can't possibly fulfill all your desires. So the, your, your, your life is going to be miserable. And he said that, you know, to, to free a person from a neurosis, 
is only to enable to, to, to experience the ordinary miseries of life rather than the ones that are created by their, their own minds. I mean, it's very, very pessimistic. But the idea was that, that of a kind of a boiler. And in this boiler, you know, the water is boiling and pressure is building up. And if you don't give it some outlet, the whole thing will explode. Uh, during during the old days, we, we uh, the old days being the 60s, the anti-war slogan was "Make love, not war," and the whole younger generation believed the reason that the generals in the Pentagon were so belligerent was because they weren't getting enough sex life, and then they took it out in in these other forms of of anger and wrath. Uh, <laughs> I think the generals in the Pentagon were actually having lots of sex life. <laughs> that wasn't their problem, but that's what people thought. You know that, that that everybody simply, you know, had enough free sex and marijuana, then human bliss would be happy. And this 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 repression was not going to be good for you or suppression. Uh, um, but uh, uh, that turned out not to be the case. The, 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 uh, the, the ever blissful future in, in, in uh, Octopus's garden did not come about uh, uh, for, for, that, for that way. But the thing is, uh, Krishna consciousness is not a matter of is control the desires, but by engaging in the practices of Krishna consciousness, they become purified and transformed. Because, because every living entity has love for Krishna. And when one falls in the material world and comes in contact with the mode of passion, it's changed into lust. Prema becomes kama. But it's not, that's not its natural state. We say it's natural, but actually it's unnatural with the spirit soul. And so the process of Krishna consciousness changes it back into prema eventually, where it can actually be fulfilled. Because karma burns like fire and is never satisfied. Prema is satisfied and continues to be satisfied because it always increases. So that, that's, that's the difference uh, between, between just repressing a desire and it's always going to go on and bother you to actually have the whole thing transformed into love of God. And the only thing that really holds up most people, they're not sure they want that. They want a balanced life. Some love of God and some sense gratification. But you, but you, won't, you won't get what you want that way. It's like a parking place. That, that you won't get you won't get a decent dose of either one. Ivanamana <laughs> has a question of Stephen. Okay. Please set my humble obeisance. Hi, Krishna. How is how is my sound? Am I okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Um, uh, we had a recent discussion a few days ago in our Sangha. It was about uh, a, a verse in a purport 
where Srila Prabhupada was talking about uh, renunciation at the end of life. Mm-hmm. Very strong in the purport, he was talking about at least by the age of 50, uh, or when death is imminent, at least then one has to uh, renounce. And he, uh, very strongly, he says in the purport, uh, one must get out of one's so-called home to make better for the next life. So we had a, a, a long discussion about this um, during the class and after. I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, what we had kind of concluded was that because members of the Krishna consciousness movement who are like serious sadhikas have already pretty much given their lives to Krishna consciousness, it would it it's not so much of a, a, a speaking to them, but rather to materialistic people that need at some point to become serious about Krishna consciousness, especially when they're getting closer to death. But then the question was, well, they're not going to be following Varnashram Dharma anyway. So who is it meant for? And then does that mean for devotees that are sadhikas that if they're married, that it's when they get close to death, that they have to leave their families, give up their so-called homes. Yeah, one way or another. Um, uh, I mean, the the, the Varna Prasta stage is also giving up a home. I, I mean, uh, if you read the Ramayana, they're always running into Brahmanas who are in the forest performing sacrifice and Varna Prastas. That's 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 also going to the forest, and and. and uh, and, and uh, you know, in, in modern times, <laughs> things things are anyway. Uh, there's no forest to go to, really, uh, uh, and you certainly need a tropical climate. I guess I guess in Hawaii you could live in the jungle pretty much. Maybe I don't know <laughs> if they'll allow you to do that, but but. Uh, uh, the, the the point is that that that, that one at, at a certain a certain age, Prabhupada says fifty, maybe sixty, whatever it is, you start to realize that death is coming. Prabhupada used to say, "I am an old man; I can die at any moment." At a certain age, um, of course, Prabhupada also says, as "Old age means just before you die." Can anyone say, "I'm not old"? But 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 uh, we we are we are uh, from the very beginning of our lives at least or very close to the beginning we suddenly realize about death and that we realize that this life is temporary and then uh, what whatever happened to my, my pet dog or cat is going to happen to me because basically do the same kind of thing you know. It's, you, uh, see a dead animal and you realize, uh-oh, especially if you're close to that dead animal, you, you suddenly realize what's going to happen. And you ask your parents about, uh, uh, first you're worried about them, are you going to die? Oh, yeah, but it'll have no, no, nothing to worry about now, long time in the future. You don't have to worry about it. But you do worry about it. You worry about it all the time. And you worry about something nobody wants to talk about. Because they basically are living their lives in denial of death. There's this really good book by Ernest Becker called The Denial of Death, which makes the case that all of civilization is founded on a, on a kind of different 
different strategies to basically not deal with death. Uh, uh, and, and so one should deal with it. One should deal with it as early on, and one should take the path of, 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 of renunciation. But that may mean for different people in different circumstances is very different. Uh, uh, but but uh, but the but the the, the idea of uh, a family life means where you're considered about your position in society, you're you know involved with all these relatives and other people, you have a social circle uh, and, and so on. Uh, so so once once you take the steps to actually you know say goodbye to what is temporary and, and, uh, and uh, dwell with what's, uh, what's uh, permanent. And that's the best you can do for yourself as well as your family, your relatives, and everything else. How it takes shape, I, I don't know. I mean, right now, for example, in the Hare Krishna movement, uh, you can take sannyas and suddenly it's your gateway not to renunciation but lots of money, lots of followers. Uh, <laughs> suddenly, <laughs> suddenly be a big important people. Uh, uh, everywhere you go, especially certain places, you, you, get, you get lots of money. You can, and it, it, sometimes it attracts the wrong people. Uh, and, and we, we try, we try to, the, you know, there, there's a, a process for becoming an authorized sannyasi in ISKCON where you really examine closely to see that you aren't going to take sannyas for all the wrong reasons because plenty of people have, and then it ends in a disaster. Well, thank you. Okay. <laughs> that sounds very reasonable. Okay. Um, we have more questions uh, Gail has a question on the phone. Hi, Krishna. Hi, Krishna. Hi, Krishna. Um, just two points of clarification. Um, <clears throat> When you were discussing the difference between refraining and repressing, is it that um, re- repressing, as you said, refers to um, you know trying to act according to our nature in terms of the four varnas, whereas repression is more like um, uh, I, I'm sorry, ref- let me see, refraining refers more to one's whims, not to one's natures. You know, like, so refraining refers to whims, and repression refers to nature, our nature. Is yeah, well, when Krishna says, what will repression accomplish, mm-hmm. he's talking in that context, he's talking about one's, uh, one's um uh, nature according to the varnas and ashrams. Yes. Yes. Or, or things like that. 
That's what that that's what that means in in that context. Mm-hmm. People may use the words in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I uh, and so so you 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 uh, Arjuna has a martial nature. He will not be able to walk away from battle. Do that battle, but do it for Krishna, not for your own gain. Uh, if you if you if you're a craftsman and you make things by craft and you're attracted to it and you're good at it, don't give up being a craftsman. Do your craftsmanship for Krishna. Uh, uh, and, and so on. Uh, whatever ever your nature, brahminical or martial or, uh, or commercial or. Um, uh, you know, general labor, do it for Krishna. Uh, that you, so we take our own, but we don't repress our, our what we say, our aptitudes, our talents, the kind of thing we like to do or are good at doing. You should do it, mm-hmm. and you'll be good at doing that, uh, accomplished at that, and you just do it for Krishna. And not give it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so a person might say, um, "Well, you know, just as Arjuna, you know, really couldn't, ref- you know, hold back from participating in the battle." You know, someone else might say, "Well, I can't really hold back from, you know, I can't." hold back from smoking, you know, they might think... Yeah, that's not a varna. That's just a bad habit. Mm-hmm. That's just a bad habit. And that material attachment to smoking will be bad for you, not only materially, but also spiritually. Because it's an addiction, and it keeps you on the bodily concept of life. Like, the first proposition for a spiritualist is to understand, experience oneself as a spiritual being. I'm not the body. It's not just a theory, but a way of understanding and seeing myself. And it will only be theoretical as long as we are maintaining material attachments. To maintain a material attachment is also an offense against the holy name. Having material attachments is our unfortunate condition, but maintaining them is an offense against the holy name. So we should be trying to become free from all kinds of material attachments. Mm-hmm. And if we can't do it right away, we should work toward increasing whatever we can do at the moment and, and, and going on mm-hmm. uh, to make progress. Okay. So smoking is not anybody's nature to smoke. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the trick to... to to make the distinction yeah. between, you know, nature and... And a bad habit. And habits, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. And one other thing, you know, I, I, I'm sure I know the answer, but just to confirm that when you say, um, when, you, when we talk about the, sense, the senses coming in contact with the sense objects, um, that that actually... That, that actually means 
for 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 to, to qualify as the senses coming in contact with the sense objects, it means to come in contact with the objects in uh and in with an enjoying spirit, not because you know yes. a person who is yeah. devotional, they will also come in contact yeah. with the with the sense objects, but because yeah. they are coming but in the contact. The verse says, "Samasparsha job bhoga," that pleasure that arises from the contact between the senses and the object, taking that delight in them, uh, enjoying those things. So it's not it's just the enjoying spirit that arises from that, or I think that's how we acquire a false ego. We take possession of it. We think this is, this is what happens. There's some pleasure. I say, wow, I think I am the enjoyer. And then the object that gives me pleasure, I want to control. So I am the controller. I am the enjoyer. I am the controller. So we have actually taken Krishna's place because Krishna is the only enjoyer and the only controller. So really, sense gratification is atheism. It's the act of atheism. Before you even have a theory of it, you're now taking God's place. And there's even people who think of God as their servant to aid them in this endeavor. And that's what he does. So he's their assistant. Yeah, so it's the pleasure, not, not, this, not the actual contact. Yeah, that, and that we can just... We can just say, I just use, well, I use my senses and the sense objects in Krishna's service. They're both for him. Mm-hmm. And then, when... Well, one of the, by the way, one of the really nice things to get trained, that it was excellent for training in Krishna consciousness, is preparing food and offering it to Krishna. Because when you have that mind, I'm not the enjoyer, Krishna is the enjoyer of this offering... You take your kind of most basic animal activity of life for which we cannot live without it, which is food, and cooking it. And then you can discover that it's possible to actually go and shop for something and look, oh, here's a nice cabbage or cauliflower, let me offer it to Krishna, not thinking of your own sense gratification, uh, cooking it without thinking of your own sense gratification. And then when you, when you uh, honor it, after it's offered and you accept it as Krishna Prasadam, also thinking of it as this is Krishna's mercy to me. <coughs> and it tastes so wonderful because Krishna tasted it first. And by taking that ordinary, most basic animal activity of life and making it sanctified, making it pure, that's how the senses become purified. And if, there, if, if it's a fast day like John Mastami, one of the best ways for me to, be, to, to, to avoid getting hungry and thinking about food is to cook. There's no idea, even though I'm fasting, that when I go in the kitchen to cook, the desire to eat anything goes away completely. It's very interesting training of the senses. And otherwise, in the Karmakanda section, the Karmakanda people, they have, this is for me and this is for God. They have a division. But there's a way to do it so that everything is for God. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Um, More? Uh, yeah, just um, when, a, when we're trying to, as we are trying to wean ourselves 
off sense gratification. There, there does seem to be, you know, uh, there does seem to be a sense that because I'm trying to reduce, you know, the 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 the, the use of sense objects for my own self, that that implies that, you know, there's a part that you do use for that you do try to enjoy as you know with the with the focus of eventually giving up that sense enjoyment so in that process it, it seems like it's almost legitimate to 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 you know use sense objects with a sense of enjoyment only because you're like working toward gradually you know sure. eliminating that well, Prabhupada talked about that. He said one should fight Maya on favorable grounds. This is in the Bhagavatam where it talks about the, the battle between the elephant Gajendra and the crocodile. And in the water, the crocodile was stronger than the elephant because he was in his own element. So Prabhupada took the opportunity to say that one should fight Maya on favorable grounds. And he just had one of his sannyasi leaders fall down from sannyas and then get married. And Prabhupada was encouraging him that one should fight Maya on table grounds. What's favorable for one person may not be for another. So this person couldn't, shouldn't be a sannyas. He didn't think he mentioned this person or even alluded to him, but that was what was on his mind when he wrote the purport. One cannot be a sannyasi, then should be a householder. And in householder life, pursue, don't give up. The, the fight against Maya. And what's, what's a favorable ground for one person won't be a favorable ground for another person. So there you have to use some judgment. Uh, it is not that you do entirely without sense gratification. In the Bhagavatam early on, the question arises, how much sense gratification can you have? And it's enough to be healthy. Now, maybe that's a loophole you could really drive a truck through if you wanted to <laughs> cheat. But if you don't want to cheat, you know what you need to, 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 to lead a healthy life. Uh, just, 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 just to, to do that. So that's how, how much you can have. Uh, you know, the, the, these, these uh, sannyasis or babajis who are prodigies of renunciation, you may not be able to do. Uh, uh, but you should, and if you try too much austerity, you're just going to blow up, you will, you will, will completely like, you'll leave the whole thing or become so occupied with performing your austerities that you have no time to think about Krishna. That becomes your main thing. You know, so, so these kind of austerities we don't do. We don't torture the body, for example. We don't lie on beds of nails. We don't sit around in yoga posture with fires around us uh, and not blazing the sun over here. We don't do those things. That kind of bodily torture Krishna calls demonic. But people get power from it, and they're interested in the power. So, so, so you, have to, uh, you have to use some good judgment. What, what I need, I should think, yeah, I, I, sh- I, I, sh- I should not become attached to it. Uh, and, uh, and again, Prabhupada 
uh, criticized by some God brothers when in Mayapur he made indoor bathrooms for his Western disciples because it just would have been like such a heavy-duty thing to walk out into the fields with a lota and, and, and pass stool in a field. He realized that. So, you know, to the Gaudiya Mutt people, this was the height of sense gratification, indoor plumbing. <laughs> but uh, by our standards, it was very austere indoor plumbing. <laughs> you know? And there was no hot water, by the way. <laughs> that was beyond the pale. Now we have hot water in my opinion. But anyway, <laughs> that's another thing. Okay? Okay, thank you, Maharaj. Thank you, Krishna. And Kendra has a question. Text 17 says, the material association that is dictated by one's own nature is considered a good quality. As you mentioned, there is often a period between detachment for, from asatsanga and genuine attachment to Krishna when nothing feels quite natural. We're no longer sur- surrendered to our base nature, yet neither on the level of asakti, how to weather that period of our spiritual life. Well, I can sympathize. <laughs> uh, and uh, all, all I can say is that one should do actually, actually in, a, in a way that we are making progress. And if we stop making progress, as soon as we realize we've done it, we should take remedial action. Uh, and if we are interested in making progress uh, and we are committed to doing that, when we become committed to doing it, and we want to know what to do next, Krishna will always make it blazingly obvious what we should do next and how we should act. It won't be a mystery at all. Uh, Krishna is not in the messing us over. He's into helping us out. And, and, and we'll, know, we'll know the next thing to do. Sometimes you'll cram it down our throats and we're being a little reluctant to do it. Uh, and sometimes you'll force us. There's this wonderful prayer uh, that uh, uh, to, to Raghunath Swami he said, he made me drink. I was, he gave me a drink. It was com, uh, a, a nectar composed of, uh, a juice composed of nectar and renunciation. An interesting drink, huh? Like bittersweet. There's, there's nectar and then there's renunciation. And he made me drink it. This is Raghunath Das Goswami saying, this tribute to, he made me drink it. Even though I wasn't willing, he forced me because he is part of Dukkha Dukhi, because Vaishnava is one who suffers when he sees others are suffering. So he for, he's, and he says this, he says, he forced me, although I was reluctant or unwilling. This, this, this. So sometimes the drink of Krishna consciousness is this strange combination. Uh, but then when we, we, we take the renunciation, just like bittersweet can also be sweet, be very tasty, you know. There, there, there's a little renunciation goes, but then, then we, as we embrace renunciation, we make advancement. We get attached to the advancement, then we get attached to the renunciation. Not because we like to suffer, but we like renunciation for our own sake. 
just because the fruit of that renunciation, the result of that renunciation, is advancement in Krishna consciousness. So we become attracted to it. And that's very different from people who are embracing this stuff for its own sake or some kind of psychological desire to punish themselves out of guilt or whatever that is. So we should, we should understand this. What in the beginning it may look like poison, but the end is like nectar. This is the happiness that's in the mode of goodness. Whereas material happiness is the opposite. It tastes sweet in the beginning, but the end is like poison. This is in the mode of Agita. Oh, we have all this wisdom. We should just believe it. <laughs> Don't believe the false advertisements of the consumer society, which simply wants you to become an addict and spend more money and put more money in the pockets of those 400 people who own America, or half of it anyway. political act too. The only act of rebellion that's left to us is not to consume <laughs> unnecessarily. <laughs> Except when it comes to Apple. <laughs> well, soon, pretty soon they'll run out of coolness. You know, they have to, there has to be an upper limit to coolness. Black Krishna consciousness. <laughs> Anything else? There's some comments. Um, this is from Vinay Vida Madhava Prabhupada asked the question about the Ramananda. He typed out a few comments saying that Shri Prabhupada said that we are all born less than Shudra, but it appears that we are also trying to come to the mode of goodness as well as maintain our Krishna consciousness. So we are changing our nature as less than Shuddha's mode of ignorance to come to Shuddha's Sattva. So we are on a journey to change our lower nature. Our unit is a trained Kshatriya, that is the Swadhara. We are not trained in anything. Shuddha Prabhupada wanted to train us to be Brahmanas. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We, we are, we are, because the platform for spiritual advancement is, is the platform of the mode of goodness. So we are to elevate ourselves to the mode of goodness. But the regular principles are basically the standard of the mode of goodness because knowledge depends upon goodness. Man, if they knew this in the universities, what a revolution that would be. What they are passing off as knowledge doesn't count. Knowledge depends upon sattva, goodness. Because there's a little bit of sattva, there's a little bit of knowledge, but not much. So, so, and that's why people can't understand God, people can't understand the world, people can't understand anything properly because there's no sattva. That's just material sattva. So, we, so, so further advancement means coming to, to sattva. Uh, and somebody like Arjuna would be on that platform, actually. And that's why he wanted to quit. But still, he had the training and the skills and the temperament of a kshatriya. Uh, he still did. He wasn't controlled by it, but he, he still had that equipment. Uh, and, 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 and so still the, the, the aptitudes are there. 
even though the underlying mode of nature, that desire for glory, that, that fear of infamy, uh, all, all that kind of stuff that motivates kshatriya, fame, uh, heroism. No Vaishya could put themselves to the line of fire. When there's a battle, the Vaishya stay out of the fight and sell arms to both sides if possible. Kshatriyas are not like that. They give their lives for other people. They put their lives on the line. It's a very rare quality. Somebody will do that. So, so there are there are these people's different natures. In the beginning, they should be engaged according to that. If they get more advanced, they could do something else. They could. They could do anything for Christian service. You can't say. Those people told Prabhupada sometimes it's not my nature. <laughs> you can do anything for Krishna's service. Uh, 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 but, 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 you know, usually the things you know how to do and what you're good at, that's, that, that's what you should do. But, but to think that you can go straight from the mode of ignorance to transcendence is mistaken. Unless you get a lot of mercy. You have to pass through goodness somehow, at least briefly. <laughs> you get a lot of mercy from somebody. But Anything else? Not good? Okay, thank you very much. And uh, then we'll, we'll start again next time with text number what? Text number what, 17? Excuse me. I, yeah, I moved around in my, my things, yeah, text. Just the last in that section, right? Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai. Bhagavatam Ki Jai.